You're listening to the Diet Rebel Podcast with Kiki Smith. If you're a woman who hates the idea of having to choose between loving your body and changing it, then you are a Diet Rebel and this podcast is for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything from loving your body exactly as it is now to becoming the most fit, lean, and toned you've ever been, no matter how old you are how many tiny humans you've birthed, or how many times you've lost and regained the same 15 or 50 pounds. Seriously, you don't want to miss it. So grab a snack, preferably protein-based, and sit back and enjoy this episode. So we are back with part two of our self-sabotage series. And again, last week, we actually broke down the first three I'm giving you five steps to be able to overcome self-sabotage. And last week we discussed the first three and today we're discussing the second two. And the reason why I broke these up, because honestly, this is a course in and of itself. So hopefully you're either taking notes or you have this episode, these two episodes bookmarked so that you can just kind of play them again and again and do the exercises that I've given you within them. Now, the reason why I chose to split up the episodes in the way that I did. The reason why we first talked about those first three steps and now we're going to discuss the second two is because after so many years of talking to so many women, talking to so many trainers that are training women, I understand that if you do not go through those first three steps, these next two steps will not land properly. I'm not going to say they won't make sense. They'll, they'll make perfect sense. It's just if you haven't done those exercises to kind of get out of your head and face the reality of a lot of those things that we talked about, then the second two steps just kind of fall on deaf ears is what I've noticed. So if I were to just say them out of order, which I have in some cases, you know, I what I tend to notice is they just kind of glaze over with someone or they just go in one ear and out the other, or it sounds like, okay, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. And that's one of the biggest things that I know most people listening to this are not doing, right? Like you're coming in with open mind. We talked last week about uh, Carol Dweck's my book mindset and how you know she discusses the fixed versus growth mindset and that fixed mindset is the mindset that thinks I know everything so we approach everything from this perspective and from this lens of like okay I'm just trying to see what I don't already know and when you have this know-it-all perspective then you're almost filtering everything out like that's your brain is trained to do that so if you go into any conversation or read any book or listen to any podcast or watch any youtube video or have a discussion with even the person who could be solving your problems if you approach it from that mindset of tell me something I don't know, you're probably not going to hear anything you don't know. Your your brain has that conserve energy switch and it's going to tune everything out because you've already told it that I already know all this stuff. So when you come to these discussions with that open mind, with that perspective of like, I don't know what I don't know. So I'm just open to exposing these blind spots. I'm open to learn more because obviously if I don't have the result that I want, there's something that I don't know. And that's a big mindset shift. So that's just a bonus tip that I want to give you before we dive into today's talk is that whenever you are on the research journey of trying to learn something for the sake of pursuing a certain goal or achieving something, try to turn that switch off in your brain. Approach everything, even if it's a book that you've read a hundred times, read it every single time as if it's the first time that you've ever read it. And I promise you, you will discover something new. Most documents, if you give them the opportunity to, most learning materials are like living, breathing things because every time you interact with them, you're interacting with them from the level that you're at at that moment. By the time you finish reading it, by the time you finish listening, hopefully, you're at a different level. So now if you were to go back and re-listen, all of those things should hit at a different level. You go back and reread that chapter or that book or take that course or whatever the things are, it should open up 
and unlock a new level for you if you approach it with that attitude because you're not the same person that went through it the first time. So the first time you get what you need that time and that usually unlocks a new door that helps you to understand something else the second time around. So that's one of the things that I always like to remind my coaching clients before we like start a course or, you know, if we're getting started on an intensive coaching or something like that, I always remind them of, I need you to like step away from everything that you already know because of the fact that if we don't have a result, then something is missing. And so let's really, really listen for that something. So all that to say that when we look at those first three steps to overcoming self-sabotage that we talked about in the first part, we really talked about the internal battles. We talked about how you have to be honest about your beliefs, about, you know, around food, around exercise, around yourself and what you're capable of. We talked about how you have to give yourself permission to lose weight because just because you want to lose weight, just because you're on the journey to lose weight, doesn't always mean that you have given yourself permission. I encounter women all the time who are 20, 30 years into their weight loss journey who still have not actually given themselves permission to reach their ideal weight, have their dream body, you know, or whatever the case may be, and sometimes permission to stop trying to lose weight. So there's definitely different ends of the spectrum. But for the people who are wondering why they don't have that sustainable weight loss, maybe they haven't given themselves permission. And then the third step was stretching that fear muscle because it was taking the things that came up in step one and two, in that honesty about beliefs, in that, you know, why haven't I given myself permission and allowing all of those fears to bubble to the surface and then being willing to approach your journey from that growth mindset of stretching that fear muscle, being willing to step out of the comfort zone, being willing to understand that, hey, I know my comfort zone is nice and cozy, but in order to grow and accomplish the things that I need to accomplish or transform lives or whatever this thing is that you want to do, like you have to grow and transform your own comfort zone in order to help others. So doing those things that you have been afraid to do and inching toward it in whatever way works for you. So with those things in mind, understanding those first three steps, like we say, all, all the things should have come to the surface. And the reason, again, why those three are separated, because that process is, as I was just talking about earlier, that's an ongoing thing. It doesn't just happen once. That honesty about beliefs, your first layer of it may only reveal certain beliefs. That giving yourself permission, you may uncover certain areas where like, oh, okay, I haven't given myself permission in this way because I was worried about what my you know, mom would think of me. And so you give yourself permission to, okay, it's, I'm going to move forward regardless of what mom thinks of me or however you work through that, you know, the, you allow that fear to come up, you work through it, understand that some fears can go much deeper. And so there can be layers and layers and layers to that iceberg. So you want to always keep in mind those three, because whenever you hit a stumbling block in other areas, if you, Go back to those three things and rework them and say, am I being honest about my beliefs here? Have I given myself permission? And what am I afraid of here where I can kind of stretch that fear muscle a little bit more or work that fear muscle a little bit more, you know, then you can move to the next level in that specific thing. So that's going to work for you in all types of goals. So just remember those steps. So when we look at, okay, what is what would step four be? The biggest thing that I would say is once you have those things, you've given yourself that permission, you understand that there's going to be some fears, you want to start respecting your own time. So this is something like I say, in and of itself, if this is talked about on its, on its own episode, or if you were to, you know, just read it in an Instagram post. You may see something about self-care and not neglecting self-care. You may see something about being stressed out and how, you know, stress can lead to weight gain or can obstruct your weight loss. You may see something about, okay, I need to have more boundaries. You likely are seeing all of these things all over the place, all over your social media feed and bookstores and magazines on, you know, talk shows, news channels, whatever the thing is that you're look, looking at, you know, 
you're probably hearing all of these things anyway, but because you're hearing them disconnected from the other three, you're not seeing how they can play into a bigger picture and how not respecting your own time and giving yourself permission to lose weight can be connected. Because when you are in this state where you are constantly, you know, a lot of women will put off their weight loss journey thinking, you know, I'm going to have more time to focus on it in the future. I see this a lot with, you know, mothers where they're like, okay, once the kids are older, I will fill in the blank, you know, whatever the goal is, whether it's go back to work or, you know, go back to school and get a degree or lose weight or whatever the case may be. When it comes to these journeys, I often see people just put them in, they just set it into the future and they think I'm going to have more time then. But each stage of life has something that can come up. And if you have created a lifestyle, a habit formed, you know, where you've trained people how to treat you and you're training them to put you last and you're not respecting your own time, then you may fail to realize how, you know, like time is this precious resource. It's not that you don't notice the time is passing and maybe feel some type of way about it, but that delay in your, whatever the health goals, your emotional well-being, your weight loss, whatever the case may be, you can end up having so many regrets for that later on because of the fact that you didn't prioritize it. And then what I see show up is more of like we talked about before with sabotage, why a lot of people don't realize it's self-sabotage is they start looking outward at they, here are these external things that are weighing on my time. So therefore I don't have time for myself. Whereas that is a habit and lifestyle that you have created for yourself. And if we haven't done that deep dive to look within, within the first, you know, three steps, then that's going to come to the surface. And we're going to say, well, you know, I have kids and this is happening. So therefore I can't do that. I have, I'm taking care of my, you know, elderly parent and this is happening. I have to travel a lot for work. So therefore I can't do this or my, I'm doing this project at work and this is happening. And so, you know, or whatever, my, my husband, my sister, my cousin, and all of these external factors can come in where all of these little time sucks are happening. And the woman feels like there is no way for me to now fit in time for myself. And that is the reality for so many women because of the fact that if you've operated that way for 10, 20, 30 years, that does become harder, even when you actually have time. Because like I say, I've watched women go from I don't have time because I have children in their, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s to I don't have time because now, you know, I'm retired in maybe, you know, your 50s or 60s. Hey, now I'm traveling and doing all these things. So no, this no longer fits in or, you know, on to now I'm taking care of my elderly parents or now I'm watching my grandchildren or whatever the case may be. So this can shift and affect all stages of life because of the habit that has been formed. And that habit is of not respecting your time, of putting yourself last, of being overly committed, taking on more tasks and responsibilities than you can manage. When you do that constantly, that just becomes who you are. That not respecting your own time becomes an identity. So the person that's chronically stressed in their 20s is still chronically stressed in their 50s and 60s, even though the stresses are different. And at each stage, one person might tell the other that your 65-year-old self may tell your 25-year-old self, like, honey, that is not even a stressor. The same way that your 25-year-old self is probably looking forward to that 65-year-old time period where it's like, oh, great, then none of these things will be an issue anymore. So a chronically stressed person is a chronically stressed person until they decide to do something about it. A person that neglects their self-care neglects their self-care until they decide to do something about it. It's really an internal shift, an identity shift versus a time allotment thing versus an external uh, issue. 
I'm not saying that the external issues don't exist. So obviously, like this is a bigger conversation because, like I said, without those first three steps, this part doesn't make as much sense. This part is just kind of like, uh, so you're going to tell me that I don't have a newborn that's crying all night and that I don't have sleep. So you're going to tell me that I don't have a toddler that's getting into everything and running all over the place and not giving me a second of rest and, you know, is only taking five minute naps and still won't sleep through the night. Oh, so you're telling me I don't have, you know, five kids that I have to run all over town and take the practices and cook dinner and help with homework and, you know, run the entire household because my husband's working 14 hours a day. Or so you're telling me I'm not a single mom that has to do all this. So like, it's, we're not saying that the external things don't exist. We're saying that that's still part of our identity because for every person that is saying this, and this is something that, you know, I talk about inside of crushing the diet mentality is recognizing that there is someone with your exact same circumstances that is getting different results. So if something is not 100% true for every single person with those circumstances, then what is the difference? What is the difference that causes the shifts? Those are the identity shifts. Those are the priority shifts. Those are the permission shifts of, you know, this person has given themselves permission to live like this, even with these circumstances. Well, this person has not given themselves permission to go after these things because of these circumstances. So for every person that can't do something because of, there is someone else doing something in spite of those exact same circumstances. So as someone who has helped so many women over time, I've been able to see this. And this is why I become such a huge advocate, believer, and, you know, went back to school to actually study the behavioral psychology of human beings, because I could not understand why I could give two women with identical circumstances the exact same steps to do and watch them go about doing or not doing those steps and getting completely different results. Why weren't they getting the same results? If two women are the same age, the same weight, have the same amount of kids, the same type of job or no job at all, and they're given the exact same steps, why does one get results and the other one doesn't? That's not a steps thing. So I had to step away from trying to solve problems with steps all the time for my clients and saying, just do this and do this and do this and recognize that who they were being was much more important. So with this fourth step, this is something that you want to start again, pointing that finger inward and being willing to chip away at the iceberg at what lies beneath because the things that are on the surface are going to, you know, appear so much different. So when you're seeing that overcommitting, the stress, the self-care neglect, the lack of boundaries, not being able to say no to things, uh, having, you know, just a crazy chaotic schedule and not having a lot of leisure time, procrastinating on things all the time, you know, or being someone who's always rushing around. Are you constantly like drained? All of these things show not only an inefficient use of time, but being inefficient with your time. If you're somebody who kind of feels like sometimes you're riding around in circles or you're like, it's like, I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm always running into these same issues. Lack of recognizing those patterns and doing something about it or putting a system in place that, you know, for the things that you're doing regularly, being generally inefficient with your time shows that there is a lack of respect for your own time, especially when those things get in the way of something that you say is a goal for you. So this is so much more common in women. And like I say, especially as they get older, because of the fact that the habits become so deeply ingrained. So when you constantly find that you have no time for yourself, but you can roll out the red carpet for other people, there's a shift there that needs to happen. Why do you dole out your time for them and not for yourself? So this isn't saying don't dole out your time for them. It's saying, why don't you deserve that same time? And 
again, most women are, you know, we're kind of raised to do this. And obviously, like, I'm the first one to raise my hand that I had a huge uh, lack of respect for my own time. And it's, I like to think it's because, you know, I am a, I'm a loving, serving person. Like when we look at like, if you know anything about like the five love languages, like mine is acts of service. Like that's literally my love language is how I show love to people is doing things for other people. But I was also not receiving those gifts from other people. I was just training them that, hey, I'm just here to serve you. So I was just doling out love, doling out love, doling out love and, you know, living and dying by the golden rule of, you know, treating others the way that you want to be treated. When in actuality, a lot of them weren't treating me the way that I want to be treated. They were, they, I was training them how to treat me, which is, hey, anything that you need, I'll do it at my own expense. And that can be, you know, obviously ch with children, which granted they have the best excuse because they can't really do some of those things for themselves. But sometimes we're doing it for full-blown adults that can do the same thing. You know, or we're not giving people that benefit of the doubt to be able to do what they can do. So if you have issues with, you know, lack of boundaries and time management or always like you feel like you're always overwhelmed, you have a super packed schedule, you know, then you may need to reassess your priorities and go back to those first three steps and find out, is there some fears that you haven't tackled yet? Is there, you know, permission that you haven't given yourself yet? Are you leaning into these things instead of giving yourself permission or because you haven't given yourself permission? So like, for instance, if somebody is like, if you're always procrastinating on something, and like respect to your own time or activities that are like specifically related to your goal to weight loss. Like you're not, uh, maybe you need to meal plan or you're skipping workouts or you need to, you know, prep some things for you to be able to have to eat or getting those, keeping those groceries in stock for the things that, you know, pertain to your goals and you're skipping workouts, you know, which is neglecting your self-care or not getting enough sleep so that you can get up and get that workout in in the morning or whatever the case may be. When you see yourself doing those things, that can kind of give that indication that you're not giving yourself permission to lose the weight. You're not giving yourself permission to prioritize putting that in your schedule. Because like I say, I work with tons of women and I see what they do when they prioritize something. I will see them move heaven and earth for somebody else. I will see them reprioritize something for what their kids need. I will see them reprioritize something for something that their husband needs. I will see them have a home gym and literally move everything out of it for guests to come and then say, I can't work out. And, you know, Granted, obviously you have to entertain your guests, like the space that you have is the space that you have, but the same way that you are making those priorities for them, what can you do for yourself? So is there, can you pull some weights into your room or do they all have to go into, you know, the garage or attic or something until everyone is gone and the coast is clear and now you can work out again? Can you shorten that workout to make sure that you're still getting in something or do you just keep moving it? Do you keep you know, over committing to all these external things and then you don't have time for yourself personally, for the things that contribute to your health, you know, for, you know, maybe a gym membership, if that's what you need. Like there's, I've recorded over time, the different shifts that I've had in my own life. And so many times I had to shake and move differently because of the fact that my identity was still very strong in, you know, this is what I do. I lift weights or I eat this way or whatever the case may be. And then there's also been times where I didn't do that because my identity was more about, you know, this is a time in my life where my family is most important and I want to be able to, you know, make sure that I'm here for them and eating the way that they eat and all of those things. So there's definitely those identity pieces that you want to start chipping away at to see what needs to stay and what needs to go, but then also recognizing where you are doing something that you're saying you don't have time for in another respect. So an example of this would be, I see a lot of women that will not do any meal prep 
for themselves, right? But they'll spend tons of time, you know, figuring out what their family need to eat. So I see this a lot in homemakers, you know, and I was one of these people, like I would try every recipe to try to find, you know, the perfect brownie or cookie recipe or something because my family deserved it. And I wanted to be able to, you know, perfect that thing. But then I'd say how I didn't have time to make some kind of, you know, whatever special meal for myself or something well-balanced for myself or put together that menu plan for myself because of the fact that I got more accolades and, you know, feelings of fulfillment for doing it for them. So I may like you could skip meals or opt for quick convenience stuff for you and less nutritious stuff for you. But if your child or husband or somebody was diagnosed with something and they had to eat a certain way, you would move heaven and earth to find the store that had that thing to buy it. So like those are some of the things that I see are the same thing for like how you know, I would tote my son all over town when he was in basketball and going for, you know, all these different cities. But and I will see parents do that where they'll have their kids in all these after school activities. So you're planning activities for them, but now you don't have time to work out. So I hope I'm kind of driving this point home here. I know I'm harping on it a little bit, but it's because I see it so much where it's the same attention to detail. So I know that the woman has it in her. It's just she's spending it in other ways. And I'm not saying those ways are less important. I'm just saying you are also important. So this isn't an either or. Again, we're not black or white. This is an and. They are important and you are important. Your colleagues, your work, whatever is important. So being very efficient in work planning and, you know, excelling and organizing and planning projects and things like that at the office and making sure all these deadlines are made and, you know, and the tasks are like executed super efficiently. But then come when it comes to your personal goals, like, okay, I can't, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to answer these questions <laughs> or do these exercises that Kiki's talking about. So like things like that, like when you don't have time to do those, but you're doing it somewhere else, that means you do have time. Granted, your job pays the bills, but it just shows like you have what you're saying you don't have within you. It's just that you are also important. So if you can create a detailed calendar for family events, but you can't carve out that personal time for yourself, there is a lack of balance there. And although it may be slow to make the shift, it is a shift that can be made. And sometimes it's just gradual over time. If you have a two-year-old right now that is like really like snipping at your heels, which granted, like I say, I know a lot of uh, the women that I speak to are like, you know, like mid forties, mid 50, like, you know, that 45, 55 range. So maybe you don't have super young ones anymore, but how many are still living as if they do. So it's like you create these rules and identities around a two-year-old who after two years is four and after two more years is six and after two more years is eight. So to still live in that same way, to still treat your meals for the eight-year-old the same way you treated them when they were a two-year-old is different. They can participate in some things now. You can carve out, you can find ways to give them more things so that you can have that extra 30 minutes. So that is one of the biggest things that I see is when we're looking at what causes that self-sabotage is that not respecting your own time. This is honestly one of the biggest ones because of the fact that giving yourself that permission to put yourself first has to happen in order for your goals to be reached. Otherwise, whatever you're doing is always second to something else, sometimes third, fourth, fifth, depending upon what your values are. So that's one of the things that I have my clients do is we do this values exercise, which like hurts their brain sometimes to do because we have this huge list of values and then we chunk it down to like what their top you know, 10 are their top five, their top three and their top one. And when we find that top one, nine times out of 10, that value is what is conflicting with their weight loss. So that's how we're able to find, hey, this thing is always going to get in the way of you reaching your goal. So if you're wondering why you're stumped and why it seems like I want this so bad, but why does it keep slipping away? It's because this thing that you value is always going to come first. So Anything that has to be prioritized in that area is always going to be higher than 
these side goals that you have of, you know, losing weight or losing 5% body fat or something like that. So it's like, you know, and sometimes this is a conversation that comes up even with people that are trying to build, you know, a side business or something. It's the same way. They're wondering why they can't get their business off the ground, but yet there's these deeper values that are in conflict with them. So be willing to do that digging and find out what that thing is assess your schedule, set some realistic priorities, and then, you know, start establishing those healthy boundaries and respecting your time. That way you can create space for both things, the the things that are already kind of intrinsic for you, but also these things that are more in alignment with your goal, your exercise, your meal planning, your, you know, all those things. You want to treat those appointments with the same importance that you would treat any of those other things that you're super committed to in life. Because for every person that says, I just cannot, commit to things. I am just, I have exercise ADD or I just like having variety or I just can't stick with anything. For every person that tells me that, usually I can dig and find something in their life that they are committed to. There's something in their life that like come hell or high water, they're going to get that thing done. So if you find out what that thing is for you, then A, that proves to yourself that you are somebody who has this value that you're saying you don't have, but B, it can probably point to what that high value is that is getting in the way or is in conflict and causing this duplicity within you where you can't move forward and you're self-sabotaging without realizing it. Because again, self-sabotage is typically something that's happening in the background, not the foreground. You don't even realize it's self-sabotage. It's just, these are the facts of my life. And these are the reasons that I'm not losing weight or why I couldn't get the workout in or why I can't eat that way or whatever the case may be. So with that being said, that leads me to the final step, which is respect and appreciate food. So this is something obviously specific to uh, fat loss, but I want you to think about the same way that you would if you were trying to save money. So maybe like money was your issue. What this means is like you indulge on what matters and you cut back on what doesn't. So it's not about all indulging or all cutting back. It's about because you have done those other steps, you've done the work to understand that like my beliefs are what's, you know, channeling, everything is channeling from that. So I need to figure out what those are and what are these things that are getting in the way. So if you've done the work on your beliefs around food and you've gotten honest about them, then you can do step five more efficiently. You can understand how to, like when you hear things like if it fits your macros or something like that, like you can start to understand what all things in moderation mean. Because what I find is when a person has not gone through those first three steps, they're not truly honest about their, about food, their relationship with food, food fears, you know, the, the fear of the changes that they think are going to happen when they haven't done that work, then they tend to have these more stringent either views about food where like food is kind of the enemy. So either they're like, I'm going to have to like become this health nut in order to get this, or they, you know, they don't, they either overly focus on the quality of food or they don't focus on the quality of food. So I noticed that's when people start to have that all or nothing because of the fact that they haven't done that work. They haven't rewired their brain around food in order to have this mutual respect for food fuels my body and gives it nutrients and the you know, the amount of food and macros and things of this nature, you know, that I eat determine this physique, determine the physique that I have, determine the how to get to the physique that I want and things. So like there's that perspective, but then also the perspective of food tastes good. (laughs) Food tastes good. It has, you know, it hits all of the senses. So, you know, there's that part too of food is and can be comforting. Food can, you know, be something that you're just doing for the sake of the fun of it, the comfort of it, the enjoyment of it, the, you know, togetherness of it, a celebration or something like that. So there's two sides of it and neither side is wrong, but it takes having that first 
phase of working through those beliefs and getting honest about how you really feel about food to get to that point. When I see people bypass those steps, which I see a lot, a lot in the fitness industry is you see the people like they end up gravitating towards one side or the other. And that's because we're trying to knowledge bypass things versus actually having that thorough understanding of it. And that thorough understanding can only come from doing the work from what I've harped on for almost two hours after the last episode to this episode, really being able to understand that that work the letting things come up, the dealing with the fears, the understanding that like, oh, okay, I, this is how I've been looking at this food. Am I willing to change that? Or this thing is going to stick with me. Like not being willing to do that piece means that you don't actually understand moderation because I see people say certain things, but when I'm looking at what they're doing, they don't match You'll where you'll see somebody say like, oh yeah, you know, you, you got to live a little, but they're living a lot. So that means that you don't actually, you're not actually getting it. Or they're saying like everything in moderation, but are they eating, you know, maybe they're using that as a way to eat something that's very, you know, indulgent or unhealthy or something that's like a celebratory food, but they're saying it to eat it as much as they want. So that's not everything in moderation. Are you also eating the healthy things in moderation? So that's that's what I mean, as I see a lot of people, because the information is out there, because we live in an environment where, you know, information is so prevalent and mottos and slogans and things, you know, trendy sayings kind of filter through us where we can find ourselves saying things. It's like where you hear me talk about like where somebody's like, oh, this isn't, this isn't a diet. It's a lifestyle. Okay. Where is it something that you can do for life? Does it actually match with your lifestyle? Like they're just saying it because that's what the community slash cult around that way of eating is saying, or they're saying, you know, oh, you know, diet dieting isn't good for you. And I just want, I like to have things in moderation, but then they're the same person that's just like, oh my gosh, I can't eat any, like, I don't eat anything like that. Or I'm not going to just live off of salads. And they use that to like never eat a salad or to never eat vegetables or to never eat things that are good for them. And so I see people that haven't actually done the work, which you could always tell because they're using it to justify where they already are. So you have the person who is on one end of the extreme, they're picking the sayings in order to use them in an extreme way based on what they already believe. So the way that we see the world, we just constantly filter out the things that don't agree with that or the things that don't fit around our beliefs, which is why we have to understand what our beliefs are. So like, if I'm somebody who feels like, you know, I don't need that much protein or whatever the case may be, like if I have a certain view around protein, then I'm going to filter everything that comes at me about protein through that filter. I'm going to say, well, what about what about vegans? They're not eating a ton of protein. Or what about people in third world countries that don't have access to protein? Or what about, and I'm going to come up with all of these other things to just justify what I already believe instead of, am I willing to change my beliefs? And these are things, a lot of these are like actual true examples of things that I've said and done. So inside of crushing the diet mentality, that's one of the things that we work through is like, we just kind of like pinpoint all these beliefs of like, you know, if you've ever said like, oh, that person is, that woman's too muscular, or I'm not trying to get like that much muscle or something like that. And then now your brain is working against you whenever you hear something about muscle, because your brain's like, I don't want that much muscle. I don't want that much muscle. I don't want that much muscle. So until you do the actual inner work to truly respect and appreciate food and exercise, the, the steps that it takes, then you don't understand how to moderate them. Moderation, I always say, is often harder than an extreme because moderation actually makes you work for it. An extreme is just, I don't eat meat. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to not eat meat, but I'm just saying that once you have that, it makes decisions easier because if you go somewhere and there's 12 options and two of them don't have meat, it, that has just narrowed that down for you and made it a lot easier because you're like, okay, well, two options don't have meat. I don't eat carbs. So it helps to narrow down 
what the options are for you. When you are allowed, you know, we're talking about giving yourself permission, when you allow yourself to eat anything, now your brain has to do more work. Your brain doesn't like doing more work. So that's why it usually prefers extremes. Your brain has to do more work to understand, okay, now how do I make this work for me? What does work for me mean? Work for me under what circumstances? Because what works for me in this circumstance doesn't work for me in this circumstance. When I'm at my grandchild's birthday party, eating that cake and ice cream is celebratory. When I'm by myself, what does eating the cake and ice cream mean? It could also still be celebratory. Maybe it's my birthday. Maybe I'm just craving cake or maybe I'm just eating mindlessly. Do you see what I'm saying? So like, that's the reason why like it takes more work because what works in one situation does not necessarily apply to the next situation. And that's how I know when someone is knowledge bypassing, you know, or motto bypassing versus actually understanding how that thing applies. They understand that in this instance, yes, I want the latte with full fat milk, extra whipped cream on top. Give me all the sprinkles, venti. And they understand that in another instance, you know what? I'm going to do a tall, uh, let me do 2% milk, no whip, you know, no sprinkles on top or some sprinkles or non-fat milk and, you know, sugar-free syrup or whatever the case may be. They understand when and where to make those tweaks and they understand that those tweaks are not global. They don't apply to everything. It's not that from now on, this is what I do or from now on, I will never do that. They understand that sometimes something is like fits and works and sometimes it doesn't and they've allowed themselves to do the work to know which is which and to understand that I can sometimes eat intuitively and based on how I feel and based on what feels good and based on the environment and I can also choose to eat a different way. Either one though is a choice. I am not slave to either train of thought. So when you're doing that, then that's when the, you know, the episodes that I've done before were talking about cutting back on the things that don't actually apply, pertain to your goals in that moment and indulging on things when they matter, like you understand how to really just move freely between these two, what seem like extremes to someone else. And that's something that, like I say, the person who has lived it, who has truly embodied this and does the work, they understand this on such a deeper level than a person that's from the outside that's just trying to decipher it with their head. They're just trying to decipher it with words. They haven't done their inner work. They see someone who they consider is healthy eating what they consider is junk and they, their brain doesn't know how to process that. It's like, oh, I would never think that you would eat that. Or, oh, I thought that you were fill in the blank identity or something like that, you know, and they don't understand that. And I've seen people do this with me before, where maybe I'm in a cut phase and I'll eat something and they're like, oh, I thought you were cutting. And I'm like, I am. But to them, they don't understand because maybe to, through their filter, cutting equals certain foods. They haven't done that work to get honest about why they have these beliefs about the food in order to understand the freedom that I have or that anyone who has gone through this journey and lives on the other side has in indulging in what matters and cutting back on what doesn't. And like I said, if you think about it from a perspective of like money is that same situation. Like you can't always spend all of the money that you get. And at the same time, you can't always save all of the money that you get. Like you still have to pay bills. So that means money has to be spent. And at the same time, if you ever want to, you know, retire or be able to afford something in case of emergency, you know, if you're tired or something happens there, you want to make sure that you have either saved or, you know, have AAA or whatever the case may be to be able to do that. So like you need to be able to flow freely between the two of spending and saving. And that's the way it is with your food budget, so to speak, when you are on a fat loss journey. And when you don't understand that, that's how self-sabotage sneaks in. When you start having the the mindless snacking, the overindulgence, you know, the emotional eating, ignoring nutrient rich foods, you know, 
because of you're saying everything in moderation, but you're not eating the things that are actually good also in moderation, or you have these excessive portion sizes and that's all you ever have. You're not actually having times where you're having smaller portion sizes to balance it out. It's basically a misunderstanding of balance. And you know, you'll see people like whatever, they'll start skipping meals or, you know, just unnecessarily just, oh yeah, I just don't, I don't need to eat. Or they're eating a lot of high processed foods and not having those like followed by bouts of like, okay, I need to make sure that, you know, I've probably had a lot of sodium a day. So I'm going to go do this. like they're, they're ebbing and flowing versus just like, it's okay. Sodium is not bad for you because it's not. <laughs> So you may hear someone saying those things and then you want to take it to the extreme and then just have tons of things with sodium and then never have something with, you know, potassium, magnesium, chloride to balance out the, that on the other side. Or you're doing the complete opposite, just cutting out sodium altogether because it bloats you. So really the extreme dieting practices really stem from this. So when we talk about eat more or weigh less in general, when we're talking about finding that balance you know, that really allows you to have the indulgent foods in moderation, but also those, you know, like nutrient rich options and eating your protein and eating the fiber and drinking the water, but also, you know, eating the, the cinnamon roll and the brownie and the cupcakes and the pancakes and anything with cakes I'm here for. I love my carbs, but at the same time, like I understand my need and my body's need for protein. So I respect that. I understand my body's needs for vegetables. I also understand sometimes, you know, my taste buds needs for chips. So it's really having that healthy balance where you can learn to, you know, differentiate between the foods that matters and the ones that are empty calories and knowing when empty calories is great and amazing, you know, and when it's like, okay, right now I need something with a bigger bang for the buck. So again, when you do those first three steps, it makes the steps that we discussed today so much easier and so much, you know, more like lifestyle appropriate. That's when it truly does become a lifestyle. And that's when you get to the point where you have either someone like me or so many people in the industry where it seems like they just effortlessly reach and maintain their goals. And so many people want to get there. But like I said, they want to get there by bypassing all of the other things. If you're not willing to go through those steps, that, that messy middle part where you actually dig into the, the mindset work, the identity work, the, you know, that the more intense stuff that we don't want to talk about where you don't want to let the junk come up. If you're not willing to deal with those things, then on some level, you are accepting a more of a yo-yo path. You are opening yourself up to self-sabotage. There is no real road to sustainability and a lifestyle that you truly love and enjoy without doing that inner work. Usually you can have, I would say one or the other, you can get to the physique goal and be a little miserable about it. You know what I mean? Be very like judgmental towards everybody and what they're eating and what they're doing and how little they're exercising and really living in this space of judging everyone who's not doing what you're doing because of the fact that you're actually not that happy. Like getting to the goal, maybe a small part of you was happy for five minutes because you got to the goal, but then it turns into like a, a self-righteousness that really doesn't allow you to enjoy life and enjoy people and, you know, really embrace <laughs> the differences in people versus, you know, a person that can be fully on the indulgent side and never get into their goal. So it's the same thing. They'll have these fleeting moments of happiness when they're having that joyful moment, when they decide to, you know what, okay, I'm not at the goal, but I'm still going to enjoy my family. I'm still going to enjoy my time at the beach. You can have a lot of joyful moments and not ever reach the goal. So you can typically be on one end of the spectrum or the other, and both of those are a choice that you can make freely. We're all adult women here that have every right to decide that, you know what, I don't want to do the inner work, but I do want to get to my goal. So screw everybody. I'm just going to like go at it solo, do what I got to do. 
I'm not doing any mindset stuff. I'm just going to willpower my way through, build the habits that I need to have and, you know, F everybody along the way because at least I got to my goal and I will have that tie to sit on. You can do that. You could totally decide to do that. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, have done that <laughs> before, you know, and sometimes, you know, maybe that's what it takes to get to that goal. Hopefully, though, even if you do, at some point you decide to, okay, now that I'm at the goal, let me do some inner work because I do want to have some happiness at this goal. And the same thing, you can always decide to say, you know what, screw weight loss because of the fact that I don't like all the stuff that comes up when I'm trying to go about the weight loss. I don't like feeling like I'm not worthy until I reach my goal. I don't like, you know, the size that society has told me that I have to be. I am perfectly fine with my weight. Like that's okay too, as long as you're okay with it. The only issue is that when people say that, and like I say, there's that duplicity again, where they say that, but then part of them deep down inside, still feel something about this goal that was never realized. If you're going to let go of the goal, let go of the goal and live your life. But if some part of you is still clinging to that goal and still wants that goal, and you also want to enjoy your life, then I would say take the time. You know, we're at the time of this recording, we're heading into a new year, this is the perfect time to stop and do that self reflection, prioritize yourself, and do this work. Go back now, you're at the end of episode two in the series. Go back now, you have a different layer to unpeel now and re listen to that those first three steps in the previous episode. Because remember, now you're a different person. You listen to this from one level. Now, I hope you're at a new level and you can go back and re listen and get all new steps again and go back. You know, maybe if you're listening to this on 2x, slow it down, have a seat. Be present, take some notes. You know, maybe the first time you listened to it while you were on a walk or run or, you know, with the kids in the car screaming or, you know, while you are doing dishes or got a hundred other things going on. Maybe go back now and stop and sit and pause me and do the work and take the notes and write down the aha moments and answer any questions that were posed because you are, you're worth it. You're worth doing this work. So if you love doing this type of work, I highly recommend going into Crush the Diet. We give all sorts of journal prompts and things in there to help you to really start doing some of that inner work as you are moving into this new year. And if you're someone who wants help on this journey, maybe you want a little bit of feedback, maybe this has sparked something in you that you're ready to take that next step and get some coaching and accountability and have someone to like help you dig and get honest about the stuff you know, that's coming up and how to deal with it. Feel free to reach out, hop on a call and see if you are a candidate for intensive coaching. And if so, I would love to help you work through it. Or maybe this is that opportunity for you to hop on something like BetterHelp or somewhere and, you know, talk to a therapist if some deeper issues come up for you. I'm not affiliated with BetterHelp, but I just know that's one of the ones that you can do online if you're someone who's kind of been hesitant in getting the help that you need. So thank you so much for joining me for this special two-part episode. If you have any questions about it, I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your aha moments. Feel free to tag me on social media, DM me for those of you introverts who don't like you know, saying things publicly or shoot me an email and I will see you guys in the next one. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode and make sure you keep in touch. So whether that's through DMs or email, I would love to know what you felt about this episode or if you have topics that you'd like me to cover in future episodes. You can DM me on Facebook at em2wl or over on instagram at eat more number two way less or via email at info at eat if you're completely new to the eat more to way less process you can also grab our quick start guide at eat more to way less.com slash start see you next time